if you've ever been in the hospital and I have come and prayed with you, one of the things that I uh, often pray when people are in the hospital is when we're not in charge, it sure is a good thing that God is, isn't it? And uh, it's also actually true that we're never in charge. We just sometimes think we are more than others. All right, let's look today at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's pray before we get started. Lord, uh, I want you to teach us. Lord, I... I know that I am inadequate to, uh, to do the job I'm called to do. Uh, Lord, I, I, I want to tell them what the Word says, and I want to tell them what it means, and I want to tell them some ways to apply it. But Lord, I know clearly that you are the one that can change hearts and change minds and change attitudes. And Lord, far more than that, you are the one who can raise the dead to life. So Father... I pray that you'll use me to speak the truth, but, you'll, but that you will do the heavy lifting of uh, imparting truth to people. And Lord, if we have those who are, are lost today without you, then Father, I pray you would do the really amazing thing of bringing the dead to life. Father, we ask you to do these things and give you all the honor for them in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ." Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. 
So the first thing that I want us to see here today is that we all need to continue to mature. Chapter 3, verse 1 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollo, so you're not being merely human. Now, babies are wonderful, aren't they? We love babies. Um, They're endearing to us, even though they're helpless and they're 100% egocentric. You know, they want what they want when they want it. And they don't care, uh, you know, if they want fed or held or changed. Whatever their need is, they want it fixed immediately. They don't care what you're doing, how tired you are, how your day went. They're not interested in that. Now, it's okay, though, because they're babies and we're used to that and we know that that's normal, right? Well, it's not really okay when a 20-year-old acts that way or a 40 or 60 or 80-year-old for that matter. It's no longer charming and endearing, is it? As we get older, we're supposed to get more mature and stop needing just milk in our diet. Paul is obviously speaking symbolically here when he talks about milk and solid food. So the question that we have to ask is, what is it that the milk represents and what is it that the solid food represents? I believe milk here represents the basic message of the gospel. If you don't get that, then you aren't born again. And you have to be born again before you can be a baby, right? So you need to understand that you are a sinner, that God is holy, and that your sin will either be punished by you in eternal hell, or it will be credited to the account of Jesus Christ who paid it all in full already. You need to know that you cannot save yourself by your good works, and that the gospel is Jesus in your place. You need to know that if you repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus as your only hope of salvation, then by God's grace you can be saved. That is the milk of the word. That is what you must understand and place your faith and trust in in order to be born again in the first place. So that is the milk of the word. So what is the solid food that Paul speaks of? The solid food is everything that comes after It is the process of sanctification. It is learning what it means to be an ambassador of Christ. It means obeying the Lord as you learn what he would have you to do. You see, some people labor under the delusion that God's commands are like a buffet line. They can take what they like, but the things that are unpalatable to them, the things that don't look good, they can leave those behind. Now, that's the attitude of a lost person, but it's also, it also can be the attitude of a very immature Christian, as it was with these Corinthian believers that Paul was talking to. Now, a mature Christian understands that unquestioning obedience is the proper role of a slave or a bondservant of Christ. And if that doesn't sound good to you to be a slave of Christ, let me tell you, it's because you don't know the master really well yet, And you don't trust him completely yet. Because once you do know the master, you can be at home, comfortable and joyful being a slave of Christ. 
Now, you know, slaves don't get to pick and choose what they obey. They just say, yes, sir, and do what they're told. That's how our relationship to Christ is supposed to be. And as we mature in the faith, we come to realize that. But we don't only come to realize it, we come to embrace it. Sanctification, though, takes time and effort. You learn what God has to do for you through studying the Word of God and faithfully gathering together with the people of God. And then as you mature, God continues to give you grace and you obey what He tells you to do. Now, I believe this is the heart of what is the, the solid food that Paul wanted to talk to them about, but they weren't ready to handle that solid food yet because they were still spiritually infants. Now, you can be a 90-year-old spiritual infant, but you shouldn't be unless you were saved at 89, and then it's okay. So we are supposed to develop as we walk with the Lord. Now, we need to commit ourselves to the work of growing in Christ. Now, how did we say that we work to grow in Christ? Let me remind you. First, you read the Word of God. Read it consistently. Guys, don't open it up, read a verse or two, and think you're actually learning the content of the Word of God. I know that you wouldn't study for a test that way. You would read systematically through what you were supposed to know. You would familiarize yourself with it, right? And then you would go and gather with people and listen to lectures if you were in a college class, wouldn't you? Well, we do that sort of on Sunday. We get together and we get together with people who uh, can help us along in our journey and somebody who has the time and, and resources during the week to set aside and to study carefully the Word of God. So we read the Word of God, and number two is we gather faithfully, not just when you don't have anything else to do, not when you just feel great or when the sun is shining, but gathering faithfully with the people of God helps us to mature in the faith and not be those infants. And number three is obeying God. Dr. Rogers used to say, if you're a new believer, read the Gospel of John. Read a chapter a day. He said, there'll be parts you don't understand, but obey the parts you do understand, and before long you'll understand the parts you didn't understand. Understand? And we'd say, yes, sir, and we go do it. Obeying God definitely includes a lot of things, and those things are the solid food of the Word. They include sharing your faith with others, financially supporting the work of the church, caring for widows and orphans, caring for the poor, a lot of things that we can find out that, that maturing in the faith means. We can't just break down the salvation to a few simple things and say, what is the minimum possible requirement for me to go to heaven? You know, some people want to know that. And if they do want to know that, then it shows that clearly they don't have the mind of Christ. They're not seeking to learn what their master would have and obey perfectly. Now, it is never, never too late to grow. If you're here today and, and a mirror still gets foggy, if somebody puts it in front of your mouth, then it is not too late to grow. You still have time and ability to mature in your faith as long as the Lord leaves you here. Now, I know that some people won't do it. Uh, I hope all of us will. But some people won't do it. But it's not because of their age. It's not because of their... Um, time constraints. It's not because of anything like that. It's because they're content and they don't want to grow. But I hope that that won't be any of us. So for us, let's keep growing and taking advantages of the opportunities that we have to grow and mature in the faith. 
do you want to learn, do you, and I'm, I want to look at everybody here, do you want to learn how to share your faith? If you do, I will teach you, or another mature saint will teach you. We will teach you how to do it until you become comfortable with it. Uh, we won't do anything weird. We won't go knock on the door and then jump behind the bush and expect you to take over. We will teach you how to share your faith until you are comfortable with it. Do you want to learn how to study the Bible? Well, let me recommend you get in a small group. Do you want to be part of the body of Christ so that you can love them and they can love you and bear your burdens with you? If you do, then don't forsake assembling together with other believers. So our first thing was we want to make sure that we all continue to mature. Number two, we see that God gets all the credit for all the good stuff that happens. Verse 5 says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. God gives the growth, and he is the one that deserves credit for the growth. One thing that might cause God to not answer my constant prayer to grow us is if we forget the principle that God is the one who causes growth. No matter how diligent we become in inviting people, or even how diligent we become in sharing our faith, God will do the heavy lifting if it gets done. God is the one who brings salvation. God is the one who brings growth. We're supposed to work for it, right? I mean, you don't go out in a field and expect there to be corn if you didn't plant corn, right? we got to do the work. But God is the one who gives us the increase. And we absolutely must joyfully give him credit for it now people will let us down there have recently been horrifying stories of abuse coming out of churches in our own denomination people will let you down and sometimes they'll let you down in the worst and most damaging ways in a recently published report over 700 victims of sexual abuse in the past 20 years have come forward in southern baptist churches That leaves us to wonder how many did not come forward but received the same treatment. And oftentimes this was from the pastors or the deacons of the church. Lord willing, we'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come as we talk about some of the other challenges that the Corinthian church had. Um, You know, I don't want to sweep this thing under the rug. I don't know if you've seen it in the news, but it was this big bombshell story about all the sexual abuse that had happened in Southern Baptist churches. Uh, We're not going to ignore it, we're going to address it, and we're going to avoid it, Lord willing. God, however, will never fail us, so we make sure that we keep our eyes on Him, obey what He tells us to do, and watch one another's backs, so that we don't allow the most vulnerable ones among us to go undefended. Also, we need to watch one another's backs and point out where a brother or sister is wandering from the truth. And we'll see that Paul has a lot to say about that to the Corinthians as well. So the workers, if they are trustworthy and faithful, are commissioned by God and empowered by God. Anything good and lasting that they do, though, is to the glory and praise of God alone. 
So we want to make sure that we do the proper thing and give God the credit for any growth that he does cause to happen here. We need to ask him to do it. We need to work toward getting it done. And then we need to give God all the glory for when it happens. The under-shepherds will be rewarded based on their work is the next thing I want us to see. In verse 10, it says, According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, I'm not sure how clear that passage is to you, so let's take a second to talk about it. Uh, Does it make you nervous to think that someday you will be judged on your works? It makes me real nervous to think that someday I'll be judged on my works. Are you going to be judged on your works for your entry into heaven? No. Praise God, no. You will not be judged on your works for entry into heaven. You might be judged on your works for entry into hell, but if you're going to heaven, you will be judged on the works of Jesus Christ. But what does the passage say? If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Check this out. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now why does it say he himself will be saved? Well, because we're judged regarding salvation based on the merit and work of Jesus if we are a believer. Someday, I'm going to stand before God and be judged on the work that I do in this church. Let me assure you that I don't need any more motivation than that to do my very best and to work hard. But let me tell you also that it's part of the reason that I so passionately want us to grow and to thrive. Pray with me, guys, that we will be in position for growth, that we'll, we'll do what we need to to grow. We'll position ourselves for growth, and then we'll work for growth, and then the Lord will answer that prayer through inviting, through witnessing, and then ultimately through God's power. So if you've been paying attention, you know that we can't keep doing the same exact things we've been doing and expect to get radically different results, right? We all know that. We're smart people in here. We know that. If we want a different outcome, we have to be bold and we have to be ready for change in ways that make sense and advance the mission of the church. Now, I know that churches have different vision statements and mission statements and they all word it differently and that's cool. But there's only really one mission of a New Testament church, right? And that is the Great Commission, to go and to make disciples who make disciples. That is the one and only mission of a real church because the head gave it to us. Jesus gave it to us, and we don't get to monkey around with that. We can word it differently if we want to, but the bottom line is we have that one job. 
So we say that Jesus is the foundation of a Bible-believing New Testament church. That's what Paul wrote just then. What I want to build on that foundation is a people that are equipped and emboldened to invite folks to church and to share the gospel with them. Now, I, I can't possibly coerce anybody into doing that. But what I can do is I can lead by example. I mean, I'm not going to ask you to do things that I'm not doing, right? That's ridiculous and hypocritical. I'm not going to say, would you please go out and share your faith if I'm not going out and sharing my faith. I'm not going to say, would you please be a part of a small group if I act like I don't have time to be part of a small group. I'm going to lead, God willing, by example and do the things that I'm asking you to do. And then pray that we'll all be drawn by the Spirit to get out of our comfort zones and to get into the battle. I don't want to steal this guy's illustration, but I heard a really good one the other day where a guy was talking about how the Christian life is not really supposed to be reminiscent of a cruise ship. It's supposed to be reminiscent of a battleship. (laughs) And all of a sudden we think we're supposed to be on the cruise liner, and it just doesn't work out that way. We only have a little bit of time, y'all. What will we do with it is the question. The endless rat race is, is meaningless. If we spend our days focused on ourselves, we're about as productive as a hamster running on a little wheel, right? He may get a little exercise, but nothing good happens. He stays right where he is and, and wears himself out. And if we focus on ourselves and our comfort, that, that is going to be the result that we get as well. We need to pursue the things that will matter in eternity. Guys, if you, uh, if you followed me around for a week, you would know that you can't do what I do very long without thinking about eternity. Uh, there was a funeral on Friday. It was my first funeral to conduct. You think about eternity when you do a funeral. I think, what do I want people to say about my life when I'm gone? I want them to talk about my impact on the kingdom. Whew, that moves me. That's what I want more than anything else in the world. So we've only got a little bit of time. What are we going to do with it? We have to spend our days focused on kingdom things. If we build with wood, hay, and straw, then we are wasting the precious few years that we have. Let's not, our ha- let's not have, at the end of our life, our work burned up. Instead, let us store up for ourselves treasure in heaven where rust and moth don't corrupt. You know they say that you can't take it with you. But the good news is you can send it on ahead. You can invest in the kingdom and you can invest in your reward in heaven. The next point I want us to see is that God will defend his church. Verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The you in verse 16 is plural. So yes, what I'm saying is, in Greek, there's a word for (laughs) y'all. Okay, is that cool? All right, so it says that y'all are the temple of God. So Paul is saying that the church, now obviously the people, not the building, the church is God's temple, and he promises to destroy the one who destroys God's temple. Again, do you see why no one has to give me outside urging to take my job seriously? I take it very seriously because God takes it very seriously. As we go forward, pray that the leadership of this church will be wise 
that we will have pure motives, that we will not let a desire for power or for authority cloud our judgment to the progress of the church, that we will not be ensnared or motivated by pride. You know, when we see all this, all this bad, bad press coming out about the Southern Baptists, uh, I, I still stick with my original story that that's motivated largely, mostly by pride. Now, it takes different forms, but basically it's pride. You get in a leadership position and you think that you're wonderful. You think that you're infallible. And sin, sin makes you stupid anyway. <laughs> so when you add pride and sin together, they make you reckless and, and harmful to the church. But thank God, he will defend his church. He doesn't need us to do it. He says he will destroy the one who destroys his church. Now, sometimes he uses means, okay? And sometimes those means are us. But ultimately, God will take care of his church. So pray for the leadership of this church, that we will not be motivated by anything but the progress of the gospel. We don't want to have any spirit of contentiousness as these Corinthians did, because that will tear us apart. We don't want that. We don't have time to waste on such foolishness as that. We must move forward. Let me urge you, don't wait for something to get on board with the mission of the church. Because if you wait to get on board, there there may not be anything to get on board. So let's work together to advance the kingdom. Next thing I want us to see is that we have everything we need. We have everything that we need. Verse 18, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Folks, human wisdom says that we need to get on board with the moral revolution or we'll be left behind and we'll become insignificant but I know that I would rather have the blessing of God than the approval of men any day and so would we all amen so we're not going to follow the world's wisdom we're going to stick with the old 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 plan we need to love God love people and reconcile those people to God through the gospel So let's build on the foundation of this church that was laid back in 1903. But let's build on it with gold and with silver and with precious stones, which is the obedience to the Great Commission. We can do a lot of work. We can do a lot of busy work. We can build a lot of hay and straw and stubble and wood. But we don't want to do that because that will be burned up. It will be of no significance in the kingdom. However, if we take discipleship very seriously, we get into the Word, we get into small groups where we can bless other people, they can bless us, and we invite people to church. And then after we invite them to church, if the Lord leads and opens up the opportunity, we give them the gospel, then that is building on the foundation of Christ with those precious stones and the gold and silver. So what do we do? We do the work of growing in the faith, and it is work to grow in the faith. Guys, we can't work ourselves into that initial relationship with Christ. That is God's work, and God does that work powerfully and amazingly and saves us. 
But then once we're saved, we do have to work in order to grow. We dig into the Word. And guys, that takes effort. Sometimes you don't feel like it. That's okay. Do it anyway. You dig into the Word. We faithfully attend the gathering of the saints. Again, not just when everything is right with the world. We, <laughs> we commit to gather together with the saints. We get into a small group where we can be blessed and we can be a blessing to other people. We serve with our church every time we have the opportunity to show the tangible love of Jesus to somebody outside the church. And guys, we're going to have opportunities. Um, there is a Choices Clinic uh, 5K every year that is a huge source of their income. Guys, I want us to be out there. I want us to be wearing our don't go to church, don't just go to church, be the church shirts. And I want us to go out there and support them. I want the community to see that we're out there loving on this Choices Clinic group. Um, I want the Choices Clinic people to be encouraged by our presence and by our support. Guys, I I want those ladies who have unplanned pregnancies to see that we care about them. You know, people think of the church as a judgmental bunch of people. I don't know if you are aware of that, but uh, Barna Research did this big research project, and they said, what do you think about people that go to church? And the number one thing they thought about people that go to church is that we are judgmental. We have a list of things we don't want them to do, and when they do it, we condemn them. All right? That is not how Jesus' supporters are supposed to be known. We're supposed to be known by our love for one another. And so if we are out there supporting these ladies who make the wonderful choice of giving life to their children, we're not condemning anybody. We're loving. And so I want us to do things like that so that people outside the church can see that it's not what we're against, it's what we're for that marks us. We praise God and give Him the glory for every big victory He gives us and every little victory He gives us. I want us to work as if our future reward depends on it. You know why? Because our future reward depends on it. Um, People get a little twitchy when we talk about God rewarding faithful service. But the Bible talks about God rewarding faithful service, so we have to talk about it. Now again, thank God I'm not going to be judged whether I enter heaven or not based on my works, because Jesus has taken care of that for me. But what do you do with the time that he's given you? That we will be judged for. So let's, let's act like it, and let's work like it. We need to be available to, the, to be the means through which God does defend his church. Now, God doesn't need us to defend his church. I've seen him do it uh, single-handedly, and he's perfectly capable of doing it single-handedly. But we need to be available to be those means. And one way we're available to do that is we, uh, when we see a brother or sister getting wrapped up in pride and going down the wrong road, we can go to them. And we can say, brother, that's not how we need to do this. But we have to be a healthy church to do that. You realize that, right? If you are not a healthy church that has been practicing biblical church discipline, and then all of a sudden somebody falls into sin and you go, man, I think we need to exercise church discipline here. Then everybody around you goes, wait a minute, we hadn't done that in the past 60 years. What are, what are you doing? So we have to be a healthy church that knows the word, that knows how church discipline is supposed to go, that knows it's for the purpose of reconciliation, not for the purpose of just blasting somebody, but for the purpose of bringing somebody back into the fold. We need to be ready to do that. We need to be quick to assume the best 
But we cannot stand for heresy or persistent, unrepented sin in the camp. You know what that led to, right? When, when, the, uh, when the people of Israel would rebel and they would have sin in the camp, God would judge. And Moses would go and say, God, why, why, what happened? Why did we lose this battle? Or Joshua would. Joshua in the example I'm thinking of. And God said, well, there's sin in the camp. And so sin among us will lead to the disfavor of God. Why? Because he loves us and he cares about us. And he doesn't want there to be unrepented sin going on. So we don't wait for God to give us something we don't have. You know, we build on the foundation of Christ faithfully with gold, silver, and precious stones. That means with pure doctrine, with passionate obedience to the Great Commission, and everything else that the Scripture teaches, and Holy Spirit-inspired boldness. Guys, it takes boldness sometimes to get out of our comfort zone and to do the things we're not accustomed to doing. Uh, I've had the privilege of going out with a couple of, of guys to go walk around our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, the, the response that I got from one of them was, man, this isn't, this isn't bad. Uh, this isn't near as, you know, near as scary as I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be a little bit intimidating, but, you know, no, it's just we're walking around, we're visiting folks. And I know knocking on doors, cold calling isn't for everybody. But I do know that we can invite people to church and we can share the gospel when the Lord gives us opportunities. So let me ask you to pray about getting out of your comfort zone. Compared to what other Christians around the world have to endure, oh my goodness, us, you know, be feeling a little tiny bit uncomfortable is not much to ask, right? We can do that. We don't need to wait on a better preacher, a bigger choir, more members, less busyness. We work while we are able to work. Uh, guys, I'm 47. And I know I'm younger than a lot of folks in here. But I honestly feel like I've got to seize the day. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. None of us knows, right? So we have to work like today is an important day. Today is a day that we actually have and we can take hold of. And so, yeah, I might get hit by a truck tomorrow. I may not be here tomorrow. If somebody told you you had six months to live... How would it change the way you approach witnessing and inviting? I hope it wouldn't change it. Because, guys, you may only have six months to live, right? You may only have 45 seconds. We don't know. But we can live as if we're preparing to step before God and answer to him for what we've done with the time. So Paul says we can either build on the foundation of Jesus Christ with gold and silver and precious stones that will last that will have kingdom impact that we will someday be rewarded for or we can build with wood hay and stubble that's going to be burned up now he says that we we won't be burned up we'll escape if we're believers we will we'll be in heaven but the rewards that we could have had will be squandered by the fact that we wasted our time instead of really building the kingdom so some folks think, and I realize this, that yeah, it's okay for guys that work in the church to talk this way, but I got a real job, I got a family, <laughs> I got stuff I got to do. Um, let me urge you as strongly as I can not to think that way. Because one day we're all going to stand before God and he's going to say, what did you do with the time that I gave you? 
And we can say, well, you know, I was really busy, and so I'd come home, and I didn't really want to see anybody else, so I'd turn on Netflix and sit there for the next six hours and go to sleep. Okay, I don't want to answer that to God when I see it. I want to say that I was willing to be uncomfortable and to invite people to church and to, to share the gospel whenever he gave me the opportunity. So let's work to build on that foundation with real stuff that will last through eternity. Pray with me, please. Lord, this goes, it's obvious. It's, it's obviously true, Lord. It's obviously what Paul is saying to us. But at the same time, it's, it's weird to our ears because, Lord, we're used to people who work in the church uh, taking this whole thing seriously about trying to make disciples because, after all, it's their job. But, Lord, I was, I was raised in a good church, in a really good church. And yet, Lord, I was never taught how to actually study the Bible. Uh, Lord, I was urged to share my faith, and I, I, I began at a pretty young age to do that. But, Lord, uh, there weren't a whole lot of us that did. It was still just a really small percentage of us that, that would go and do that. And so, Lord, I know it's weird. I know it's weird to think that we personally are going to give an account to you as to how we used our time. Uh, but, Lord, that's a big old motivation to me. And, and it's not because, I'm, Lord, heaven's going to be more than we can imagine. It's going to be better than we can imagine. As we read last week, Lord, it's going to be more than our human minds can even get, get around. We, we don't understand how great it's going to be. And being in the presence, uh, being in your presence, Lord, is going to be unspeakably wonderful. But, Lord, I love you enough that I want you to be pleased with what I do. I want you to tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. But, Lord, I want you to tell every single one of these people the same thing. Lord, I want us to be faithful with a little bit of time that we've got. 